my name is Simon Gallagher from eSmart Networks. Welcome to The Grid Podcast, your weekly update on The Grid and how it's helping us on our journey to net zero. Now, I have been away for a few weeks. There's been no podcasts in that time, and that's because I've had COVID. Actually, I still do. A week and a half later, I'm still testing positive, but I'm going to do the podcast, even though I sound terrible, so I do apologize for that. But it's been such a big week for news in the electric vehicle and grid industry that I thought I just had to do the podcast. So here it is, terrible voice and all. It was actually hard to keep up with the news this week because early in the week we had a big announcement from BP Pulse that they're going to spend a billion pounds upgrading their network and expanding it in the UK, as well as launching new products, which is great news. And then towards the middle of the week, the OBR sneaked in a new metric in its March 2022 economical physical outlook which contained an upgraded forecast this is the one they sneaked in there um, that upgrades their forecast on electric vehicle uptake and ultimately its impact on future tax revenues we'll talk about this a bit later but the secret here is that they are now forecasting a much faster higher uptake of electric vehicles and consequently a much steeper quicker drop in tax revenues then even their recent October 2021 forecast come out with. So, um, I mean, good news for the industry, bad news for the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Um, but basically, EVs are taken off quicker than anyone forecast. Then on Friday, the government publishes long-awaited EV infrastructure strategy, all 137 pages of it. This is the main topic of this week's podcast. I've read it, so you don't have to, basically. And then on Saturday, just to make sure to keep us on our toes over the weekend, the government released a consultation on ending internal combustion engine bus sales by 2025 or 2032. Now, this is a done deal. Reading the consultation, basically the question in the consultation is, it's going to happen. What date do you think it should be happening? 2025 or 2032? And of course, places like London are already well ahead where TfL are only really allowing electric uh, routes to be installed from now on. Now, we've had over 1,200 downloads of this podcast, which is amazing, I think. Um, so please do keep liking, keep subscribing. Please do share it. And if you can, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, because that helps the search algorithms and people find this content. And let's face it, it's pretty niche content. So the more we can help people find it who are interested in it, the better. So on to the main topic then, the government's EV charging infrastructure strategy. Now it is a big document, all 100 and whatever um, pages I said it is, but given the sheer number of stakeholders involved, that's not a surprise. I mean, you've got central government, you've got the Department of Transport, you've got local authorities in England, you've got county councils, you've got lo other local authorities, unity councils, mayors, you've got devolved administrations in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, you've got charge point operators. But to be fair, they do give it a good go in trying to clarify who should be doing what. Now the document does jump around quite a lot, so I've broken it down in this podcast into bits that make sense in my head anyway, basically the bits that you need to know about as a stakeholder in the industry. So we start with the big sexy headlines, this is the new money announcements, these are the bits you'll hear about in the news. But then we'll dig a bit deeper. We'll talk about where the report says we are today and what we need to do to get to where we're going by 2030. I'll then talk about the principles because there's three or four principles that really the whole document boils down to. I'll then talk about on-street charging. 
Then we'll go through high-powered charging and the issues with that. Depots and fleets. And finally, networks. Now, this is a grid podcast, so we do have to understand what it means for the distribution network operator networks and the wider electricity networks. So we'll start then with the big, sexy headline. And the biggest, sexiest, juiciest headline of the lot is that there is a new £450 million Local Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Fund. It'll get that acronym. And this is going to be made available for local authorities to use basically to fill in areas where the private sector cannot or will not because of the commercial realities of trying to make a business case. And this boils down to the number of electric vehicles, the density of the population, the distances involved, and the costs. And this is particularly aimed at residential on-street charging and rapid hubs that really are going to be key to the people who do not have off-street parking. The fund and how it will operate is yet to be decided, but an initial £10 million pilot scheme of it was launched on Friday. No detail of how you bid for it or, or what, but it was launched on Friday. Other headlines that will grab attention, the government will legislate this summer to mandate 99% uptime availability of public charge points that are 50 kilowatts and above, and this will be monitored and enforced by a public body. A lot of people have been calling for this because you know reliability of the networks really is key in people's perceptions and how easy it will be to live with an electric vehicle. Other legislation will force charge point operators to accept contactless payment and publish pricing in an easy pence per kilowatt hour format so people can easily compare the price of charging with different network operators. So we'll go through now where we are today and where we need to get to by 2030 according to the government. And very important point here is that this is all about public charging, not home charging at all. This is all about the public charging network. So the report tells us that today there are 37 million ICE cars and vans on the road served by 66,000 petrol and diesel pumps. By 2030, we will have 10 million battery electric vehicles on the road, of which the vast majority, 75% or more, will be charged at home, which makes sense and is in line with what the rest of the industry thinks. But the sizable gap that will need public charging, 25%, thereabouts, will need a minimum of 300,000 public charge points to meet this need. And this does exclude workplace charging, as the report does not classify them as public, which makes sense. The range of charger numbers by 2030 is very wide. The minimum number forecast is 280,000. They rounded up to 300,000 in the press reports, while the largest number forecast is 720,000. And this depends on the uptake of electric vehicles and charging behavior. Do we charge at home? Do we charge at destination charging? Do we charge at motorway service station areas more? That kind of behavioral changes, which is uncertain now, and also even the size of the, the batteries in the cars. The 300,000 lower number is split 45% residential on-street charging, which is 7 kilowatt AC, 50%, so half, destination charging. It is unclear in the report what speed they're assuming destination charging is, but destination charging is pubs restaurants, uh, supermarkets, gyms, things like that. And the remaining 5% is what's called transit in the report, which really is the high-powered hubs along the strategic road network. 
but the scenarios do differ massively. So one scenario predicts 620,000 chargers required, uh, which is split 21% on-street residential, 77% destination, so the vast majority, and only 3% transit, so really wide ranges. But that's to be expected. I mean, 2030 is quite a while away, and we don't fully understand yet what the true behavior around how everyone will charge will be because we're still in early adoption phase of the market. To put that 300,000 charger number into perspective or the 720,000 upper number, we have 30,000 public chargers today of which 5,400 or 18% are rapid, which is 25 kilowatts and above. These chargers are serving 170,000 plug-in vehicles of about half our pure battery electric. So when you do the maths, the ratio of chargers today to electric cars versus the ratio of petrol pumps to cars is actually quite favorable. We have come a long, long way. Currently, we're adding 600 chargers to the network every month. Of that 600, about 100 are rapid. Now at this pace, by 2030, we would have only installed 88,000. I say only. It's <laughs> a lot of chargers, but it's nowhere near the 300,000 target set by the government and certainly nowhere near the upper bound of 700,000. So really, this strategy has been published to try and pull together a way of accelerating this quite substantially. This report confirms what some of us in the industry have been saying for quite a long time, that the infrastructure challenge to electric vehicle public charging is absolutely massive. The SMMT predict, for example, that by 2030, we need to spend £17 billion on the infrastructure that underpins this public charging. And the SMMT data lines up with the government's data in this report. So however you look at it, the infrastructure challenge is absolutely massive. So the principles of the strategy then. So the government say that the home charging market is healthy and competitive. So no government involvement is required in this area. And actually, as soon as possible, they're going to move to end all subsidies for the home charging market. Now, we've already seen this with the removal of the grant for home charging, although this will still be available for flats and renters. Likewise, the destination market is working well as well, which is supermarkets, gyms, hotels. So again, no involvement from the government. The private sector will deliver. So that's destination charging and home charging. Forget about it. The government say the private sector will deliver. So generally, the government are saying the market is working well in most areas, and also the market will keep pricing fair. There's absolutely no plans to introduce regulated pricing, which is no surprise from a conservative government. So the two main areas that do have major issues, which the government will intervene and will get government attention, which is what this strategy is all about, is on-street AC residential charging and high-powered DC charging along the strategic road network. Now, most will be familiar with the challenges around these two areas. For on-street residential, which really is seen as an absolutely key area for those who do not have access to off-street parking, it is very difficult for private investors to make a business case stack up for this type of charging infrastructure, given the low volumes of electricity that ultimately flow through those meters and through those slower chargers, which are connected to the cars for generally a long time overnight. It's very hard to build a business case, believe me, I know. For high-powered DC chargers along strategic road networks, the issues are well known here. It's cost. Generally, they require very large electrical connections. I mean, these are five, six, seven 
MVA connections that would power a small town of 5,000 homes. And generally, this capacity is just not available on these networks. So the motorway service areas or the operators of these sites are being asked to stump up huge numbers in reinforcement costs to reinforce the high-voltage networks. So the government will intervene here. With these principles in mind, which is the market's going to deliver mostly, we're only going to intervene in residential on-street parking and high-powered hubs. There's four main points of the strategy. This is all you need to know. You can switch a podcast off and not listen to my COVID voice for any longer. Number one, the market will deliver most infrastructure and this will keep prices fair. So there's absolutely no plans to regulate pricing apart from mandating easy payment and comparable costs. Number two, the vast majority of all charging will be done at home and that market is taking care of itself. Number three, this is where we start to get some actual action. On-street charging will be accelerated by funding local authorities through a new £450 million fund to procure solutions where the market will not deliver. Also, as well as this, the government are going to put in place some guidance and online tools to help the local authorities actually do this. And number four, for high-powered charging along the strategic road network, the already announced £950 million rapid charging fund, this fund will be used to offset the very high reinforcement connection costs. So there's no, no new news here, no new money, apart from there is talk of accelerating this in the report. There's some other stuff in there on data transparency, regulating reliability, some really important standards on disability access, which is good to see. Really, these four areas is what the strategy boils down to, and, and really is two areas. It's residential on-street parking and high-powered hubs. So let's talk about those two things in a bit of detail then. So on-street charging. So really, the responsibility for on-street charging is going to be passed, passed, forced, given, whatever you're viewing that to the local authorities to deal with, using this £450 million fund as well as new guidance and online tools that will be made available on the gov.uk portal. Also identified are challenges around seasonal demand in the document, which is very hard for the private sector to deal with. So again, this fund will be used to deal with that. Along with the money, the government are also reserving some powers at Westminster to place a statutory duty on the local authorities to develop and publish a local EV infrastructure strategy for their area to scale up particularly on-street residential charging. Now, there seems to be an undertone of naming and shaming going on here because the government talk about in the strategy document they will publish which local authorities have published what plans. Part of the strategy is to give these local authorities the information and knowledge to plan these strategy through online tools. But really, I do worry, do the local authorities really have the bandwidth? You know, they're really stretched as it is. The bandwidth, the skills, the experience, the, to really do a good job in this, I'm, I'm really not so sure. So turning to high-powered charging along our strategic road network, there's no real new news in the strategy here, simply stating that the already announced £950 million charging fund will be used to offset the very high connection costs of some motorway service areas. There are some promises made in the document, but these are promises we've heard before. For example, by 2023, we will have at least six high-powered chargers at each motorway service area. And by 2035, there will be around 6,000 high-powered chargers across England's motorway and A roads. 
That's already been announced. But it is right that it's all pulled together within the strategy. The fund is currently in design and will be launched in full in 2023. So on to depots and fleets then, a hugely important part of the transition. So depots and fleets are mentioned in the document, but really it's a bit light on solutions in this area. So the strategy is saying that sub-national transport bodies, so these are regional bodies like Connect Midlands, will work to produce various different scenarios in their local areas. These scenarios will in turn identify clusters of forecast demand, so for example where there's bus depots, and this will feed ultimately into the local DNO reinforcement plans. Now it's really not clear to me how this is going to work in practice. DNOs currently cannot reinforce ahead of need, and the cycle from identifying opportunities to reinforce the DNO network to it actually happening is a slow process. Meanwhile, bus depots need to be and are being electrified now. There's a lot of talking about working with in the document. It's a, bit, it's a bit light on what's actually going to happen and how this is going to work. It's mentioned in this section about the upcoming changes to the reinforcement charges where basically connecting customers will no longer have to pay for reinforcement charges caused by demand-only connections. Now, if you want to know all about that, our very first podcast, podcast number one of The Grid, went into that in a lot of detail. But that will make a big, massive difference, actually in that the reinforcement costs will no longer be borne by the bus depot operator or the motorway service area asking for this capacity. So that actually is a big deal, but it's sort of separate from the strategy, but the strategy does mention it. So really no actual solutions apart from the changes off Jim are making to the DNO regulations on reinforcement. So on to network sense. So this is the grid podcast after all. So what does the strategy say and what does it mean for DNO networks? Well, honestly, not a lot. The green recovery scheme is mentioned here a few times, as well as some things Ofgem are doing within the confines of the Rio 82 business planning process. But really, there's no news on networks in the strategy whatsoever, which is surprising in some ways, not in others, given how highly regulated the networks are. And we are quite a way down the Rio 82 timeline. Now, one interesting item is a commitment on more competition in connections. So this is where independent connection providers such as eSmart Networks, we design and build the high voltage connections rather than the DNO. And the government in this document see this as a way to shorten the connection timescales, lower costs, and ultimately increase the certainty of connection in this area. So, I mean, you would expect me to say it, but it's a very good thing to see in the document there. So really, that wraps up the EV strategy in its entirety. That is all 160-odd pages boiled down to a few minutes. I hope you did find that useful. I hope you're still there. Um, but we'll talk about some of the news now before we wrap up. Uh, so the first thing is that UKPN appears to be for sale. Um, not the first time this has happened. Most will know that EDF Energy sold the business back in 2010 to CKI Infrastructure for around £5 billion. Now, rumours in the press seem to suggest that a consortium of Macquarie of Australia and KKR, famous KKR of the one of my favorite books, Barbarians at the Gate of the United States, are leading the pack to get the business, although there are others still in discussions like the perennial Canadian pension funds, which always seem to be buying British assets. Now, there's figures of £15 billion being talked about in the press, which I think raises some serious questions for Ofgem, who were heavily criticized for getting 81 wrong in terms of returns for the DNOs. Now, given that WPD was sold last year for a large premium of the regulated 
asset value, which is the, the value in the balance sheet of their assets, the premium was 60%. And UKPN could go for a premium of 8.5 billion over its regulated asset base or regulated asset value. Clearly, investors are very confident on earning decent returns over the Rio ED2 period. So cue some big change in UKPN if that goes ahead. So linked to the OBR report I mentioned at the start, there are stories in the news this week that the government are looking at a network of toll roads to recoup the lost tax revenue in the future. Now, personally, I think this is a bit of a dead end. We don't really like toll roads in the UK. I think we will end up with a variation on road pricing where once a year, when you get your MOT, they jot down how many miles you've driven and that's how you will be charged. It's a fair system because the more you use it, the more you pay. That's what I think will happen. But this is a rumor come out of number 10, according to Sky News. Some surprising news from the United States is that electric vehicles apparently are now three to six times cheaper to drive there than petrol cars or gas, uh, given the hikes in petrol prices. Now, not surprising, I suppose, because, I mean, some of their trucks get horrendous miles per gallon, so I think that's what we'll be doing. They don't have Euro 6 diesel engines in America, as far as I know. So that's it for another week. Thank you very much for staying with me. I do apologize for my COVID voice. So please do subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast from. It does make a real difference to people trying to find this content, which is pretty niche. You can contact us direct to ask any questions at thegrid at esmartnetworks.co.uk. That is thegrid at esmartnetworks.uk. And you will be able to find links to the OBR report, the EV infrastructure strategy, as well as the consultation on ending ice seals in the show notes if it's a podcast or on the description below on YouTube. Thank you very much. <laughs>